Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, it's time for The Finish Line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Start your engine! horsepower is not there mm-hmm. you, you, 60 to 70 i think is what tyler perry and uh and and mike both said about right. the different like the the slowest car has like 60 fewer horsepower than the fastest yep, yep. and so you've got to be able to to fine-tune certain things and the way they dial their shocks in the the spacing even a half inch of spacing on a right rear tire or a left rear tire or the amount of stagger uh, you know th- there was a, a point last night where they modified a couple of things that were so minute Yet, when they went back out on the track, when Mike went back out, you noticed a difference. Well, this is one of the things I like to talk uh, to the experienced racers about when they're trying to improve. You know, is it their driving they're trying to improve? Is it track position, right? When you, you've got to be on the front row to get past somebody hard to do from the back, or is it is it the actual car? I know there's a piece of all of that, but when you're very experienced, which one of those are they working more on? Is it their skill, or is it the car? Is it really just track position? Well, I can tell you last night, for, for example, Mike started outside of one in the B, and he won going away. Right. No one was even close. The yep. guys that would get close on a caution, he would just pull away with another There's nobody in front of you, right? Nothing exactly, to dodge, the cleaner yep. helps. Mm-hmm. Flip side, go to one of the heat races, I believe it was heat race three or four, and Stewie Snyder, who we've had mm-hmm. on the show, started, I believe, leave ninth and came through the field and ran second and if it would have been two more laps he probably would have won the heat race interesting but he gets in now so he got through traffic he Mm -hmm. got into the feature and had to start in the sixth row he's with his point average it's one of the top ones out there he's starting in the sixth row mired in traffic a little bit hadn't really moved and all of a sudden he no longer has a right front tire uh courtesy of uh just yeah one of those on the track incidents yep and his night's done yeah uh, and, and it but it, that's how simple it is there's times that you could just get things set up and rolling and everything's great uh, but the bottom line especially from the standpoint of fans that want to go out um it's such an awesome facility out at eagle to be able to go watch uh and and all the classes all those guys are doing exactly kind of what i had told you that i was seeing with mike uh, mm-hmm. in his pit all those guys whether it's a, a hobby stock whether it's one of the the sport mods that dana Deakey drives he was in here last week whether it's one of the modifieds absolutely makes no difference they're going in every time and they're tweaking something they're right. trying to figure something out to make them go just a touch faster and it's a guessing game on what the track is going to do right because then you have the just the track inconsistencies or whatever from weather to how they water it to you know the way it's designed and then you know just random stuff of the day so a lot to think about when you're racing absolutely a couple of headlines from the week uh, i'm going to start off with the the well bottom line the largest payout in the history of sprint car racing and it was actually a decent race too. It, it was i feel <laughs> Interesting so bad twist i feel so bad for buddy kofoid yeah but david gravel wins the largest payout in world of outlaw history it's also the largest payout in sprint car history uh buddy kofoid led the first 30 laps blew a motor 
uh, while leading with 10 laps to go in last night's A yep. feature at the High Bank Nationals in Brandon, South Dakota at Hewitt Speedway. Um, he was running away with it, too. He, he was. <laughs> gra- David Gravel was um, – Gravel was not going to catch him. No. And no, uh, it, at, it at, the, at the same time – Yeah, at the same time, um, <laughs> Gravel had four straight second-place finishes before yep. Friday night's program. And it, it was it was a heck of a race. The way they do things, bottom line, there's certain guys in the industry of racing, not just sprint cars, but in racing in general. And I'm going to throw Tony Stewart into it because mm-hmm. of what he's done for racing, specifically grassroots dirt track racing. Yes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. Granted, he's his background is sprint cars, but he doesn't care. He just wants people that want to get into the car for the first time, learn about the racing, etc. Right. He does everything he can to help. Sure. He tries to do his best the way he promotes everything that happens at Eldora Raceway, right. one of the most legendary tracks on the planet. Todd Queering, mm-hmm. who owns, owned, still does, Jackson Motorplex in Jackson, uh, Minnesota, when the, at the time, Badlands Speedway was up for sale and the, choose my words that I won't get myself in trouble, a gentleman mm-hmm. that owned it that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the most above board in business, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, Todd Quaring stepped in, was able to make a deal that made sense for him to buy one of the most legendary tracks out there as well, which is Hussett's. Yep. It's a quarter mile high bank track, and it is wild up there. Uh, he has done every single thing right to make it better for fans, to make it better for racers, to That's make it better for like. car owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put on a hell of a show, and he's Great. one of the most quality individuals uh, in the sport of racing in general. Uh, and it's it's fantastic. They already announced it. High Bank Nationals, round three, next year, 250000 to win again. It's not that far from here. You know, I was looking up to see where Brandon is because I was just in South Dakota. Yep. On the other side of the state, I saw as I pulled that yep. up, I was like, oh, we could actually go there. And, you know, you think about all the tracks in this area. They're all yep. within three or four hours. Hours, you know, it feels like a great, great place to be here in Lincoln and, and able to go race at all these other tracks. Right. Three and a half hours. And I have made that drive and rode on a bus up there a lot because uh, when I was calling <laughs> games for the stars, uh, we, oh, okay. we we played in Sioux Falls. Oh, Normally yeah. we were up there probably three or four times a year, but it's not a bad drive at all. Straight up I-29. Yeah. And uh, you just take a ride a little bit before the giant rock quarry and uh, three or four miles off to the east and you're in Brandon. But uh, whale of an event there. We've got the Eldora Million coming up here before the summer yep. is out in July, and then Knoxville Nationals. Uh, everything is kind of confirmed. I'm going to finalize all the reservations and stuff here probably tomorrow, but I'll be in Knoxville Great. for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night show for the uh, Nationals. Funny thing is, I've been in and around sprint car racing for the vast majority of my life as a fan or as a crew guy or as an announcer or a cleanup guy. I didn't made no difference. I never have been to the Knoxville Nationals. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, when I worked at the track full time, that was my only weekend off. Ah, uh, yes. And mm-hmm. I just <laughs> genuinely didn't want to spend it at a racetrack. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to get the blow by blow from the time you leave your garage all the way. Pretty to, much. Yep. What's the scenery like on the way to Knoxville Nationals? You're going to pass people in their RVs. There's a lot their cars. of windmills. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I mean, I love that trek to the track. You know, that's one of the most fun things you can do. Yeah. Uh, so we'll uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Melby67. I'll be tagging the ticket, uh, and I'll be giving updates. I'm not going to try to do real-time, any of that type of stuff, but uh, for Sprint Car fans that, that want to know what's going on, and I'm going to be doing a little digging mm-hmm. while I'm there. I'm going to see if I can't find out why something happened or, uh, you know, 
whatever. But I'll, I'll try to throw out a little bit of not necessarily dirt, but just stuff that you're not going to hear uh, if you watch the broadcast on Dirt Vision uh, and that you may not know just because you're not there. But I'll yeah. try to make sure I, I can uh, provide with as many updates as I can. And uh, looking forward to it. It'll Should be, be great. No, it'll be great. Yeah. All part of our experience, right, that we're trying to give here in Lincoln. Exactly. One of the other things that happened this week that I thought, found very interesting, a keyboard warrior named Dave. Uh, he's got 19 followers, so obviously he's... A keyboard warrior with yes. 19 followers. Yeah, he, All uh, right. <laughs> at any rate, he tweets at Kyle Larson <laughs> oh that he needs to share some of the money that he wins... Oh, this one, yes. ...with oh the goodness. guys who race for a living. Yes. Uh-huh. And then Larson evidently was in a mood. Was uh, He was not happy with that. And no. he came up with a couple of pretty good responses to some other I, people. Yep, because um, the people piled on. Yeah, and, and the, th- the thing is, you know, Kyle Larson races for a living. Yes, he does. And he pointed that out to the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, evidently, I guess that's breaking news. Kyle Larson is not just independently wealthy and shows up in any kind of car <laughs> and wins. Right. Uh, you know, I thought that's what it was, but nope. Um, he fired back with a great gif of uh, Jim Carrey's Lloyd Christmas right. handing out money from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. And the thing I want to know, and I'm going to throw this out to, to listeners, you can text in or call in 402-464-5685 on the Honda of Lincoln hotline or the Sutter Heyman text line. Um, what do you think of guys like Larson racing in, I'm going to call it a lesser series because he's a, a NASCAR cup driver. Right. So it's, for a reason. For a reason, because he's one of the best <laughs> he's out there. one of the best. Yep. Because he cut his teeth racing at all these lower level uh, series. Right. But he's still, he's another guy that I think is going to transcend the racing sport because of what he's already doing. He started his own damn series to make sure that drivers and owners that put all this money and all this time and effort into cars have an opportunity to win bigger purses. Right. Well, and most of these guys, if you don't know, I'm sure Kyle does. We'll have to look it up on the break. Most of these guys are philanthropists because they make a fair amount of money. They do have their personal passions that they give their money back to. It's just not giving it to the other drivers they're competing with. So you go, Kyle. But I would say, you know, how much money is too much money? Why someone would say that about someone else's money and what they earn? You know, these guys are very generous in general. Well, and the funny thing about the comment about why don't you give your money back <laughs> right. is you do realize that Kyle Larson owns a sprint car series that pays the guys that race in the series. Now, granted, he races with them, but flip side and he wins is, a fair amount. He does. He's won the last three, including the one at Eagle. But guess what? If it's not for him being out on that track, totally. do you know what the success of that series would be in year one? Well, yeah, just bring in another series, right, to racers because we need these different levels for people to compete. So, again, what people do, and I look at this from a business perspective, so these kinds of comments always get me a little wound up because uh, people are doing other things outside. You know, they're running a business, right? This is not where they, this is not the philanthropy side. They're competing and running a business. Exactly. So, yep. And, they're, and the, the bottom line is the rules are the same for everybody. Yes. They are. <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to jump into uh, our, our victory lane segment. Do we have we have it? I, you two. And we were able to pull it off. Thumbs this morning. Everything. I troubleshooted the YouTube channel today. I'm hooking you up with your victory lane. We got it ready to roll. Like you said, it's, uh, there's nothing you can't do in a race car. Now, can you walk? Or am I going to have to carry you? Where to? Victory Lane. Come around here. Pay 
win over there. That's where everybody wants to be, and that's where this party's going to finish. Victory Lane. He's waited 15 years to get back to Victory Lane here at Talladega. A lot of wrecks in between. For the 11th time in his illustrious career. Tommy shot back in Victory Lane in the Knoxville Nationals. He's making the right-hand turn into Nas Energy Drink Victory Lane. Your Nas Energy Drink Knoxville Nationals champion is Young Money, Kyle Larson! The most anticipated moment in the history of NASCAR racing. Dale Earnhardt rolling into Victory Lane in the Daytona 500. That was one, as I was putting it together, I, you, you normally don't want segment intros to be overly long, but the, the last couple yeah. with with, uh, with Larson, mm-hmm. uh, it was shots last year at yep. Knoxville, and shots then the Larson ultimate and with, with Dale. Yep. You can't beat the Earnhardt uh, one. Yep. It kind of gave me chills, and I'm like, you yep. know what, I've it's going to be long. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, Victory Lane is sponsored by Eagle Chassis and Eagle Motorsports, LLC. Mike Boston, the new owner of Eagle Chassis. I was down at his shop last week taking a look at the way he's got everything set up he needs to expand. Um, <laughs> it is all crammed in there, but the work he does is absolutely amazing. He walked me through what he does in order to build these cars the first time and then what it takes to put them back together in case there is an on-track incident. We walked through some of the safety features that are on cars, some of the things he's now doing with Eagle chassis to make them more adaptable and make them adjustable from the standpoint of where certain bars are with the height and the size of certain drivers. The, the, the shoulder straps, the connection behind the seat is supposed to be about four and a half inches below the shoulder line. Well, guess what? If those bars aren't right where you need them, you're stuck. you got to mm-hmm. order a different chassis, design more specific measurements, whatever. He's figured out a way to do it where you've got an adjustable bar that is just as secure and as lightweight as we know some people really care about yes <laughs> uh but it bottom line is it's safety and it, it makes it more efficient for the drivers less expensive for the drivers eagle chassis fantastic to have them on board uh, as a sponsor so let's get to it who won who won mike uh, i don't know who won in cup because the race started about yep, an hour ago exactly. uh, from uh, uh nashville super speedway yesterday in the xfinity series aj allmendinger took home the win and friday night at nashville super speedway in the truck series carson Hosevar picked up, I believe, his third or fourth win of the year. Next weekend, Xfinity and Cup are both at the Chicago Street Race. And then Truck has the weekend off and Craftsman Truck Series back in action on July 8th at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. High Limit Series, dark until July 25th when they race at Grandview Speedway. The All-Stars are dark. They're off until, I believe, July 7th. Uh, Pennsylvania Speed Week kicked off last night. What an unreal race with Anthony Macri, Brent Marks, and Danny Dietrich. Macri took home the win to kick off Pennsylvania Speed Week uh, for nobody. That's not a particular series. It's just one of the biggest uh, week-long events in sprint car racing. World of Outlaw Sprints, we already talked about it. David Gravel takes home $250,000 winning the High Bank Nationals in uh, Brandon, South Dakota. On Thursday night's qualifier, Kyle Larson won. James McFadden picked up the win in the Roth 83 on Thursday night. Friday night, Logan Schuhart got himself into the top two guarantees with Buddy Kofoid for the uh, King of the Hill race that set the first four rows of the feature. And uh, Gravel, though, bringing home the win. 
Outlaws are at Cedar Lake Speedway in New Richmond, Wisconsin next Friday and Saturday night. World of Outlaw Late Models at 81 Speedway in Wichita, Kansas. Brandon Shepard wins on Friday night. Dennis Erb brings home the win last night. Lucas Oil Late Models, it was... Uh, the 17th annual Firecracker 100 at Lernerville Speedway, one of the coolest tracks in Pennsylvania. It's in Sarver, Pennsylvania. Jonathan Davenport and Tim McCready won the dual features on Thursday. Friday night feature winners were Ricky Thornton Jr. and Max Blair. And then the big money, 50 grand last night mm-hmm. to Ricky Thornton Jr. Lucas Oil Late Models Very cool. at Muskingum County Speedway in <laughs> Dresden, Ohio. I apologize to residents of that county because I probably butchered the name. <laughs> Uh, and then at Eagle last night, Gunner Pike won the sprint car feature. Modified feature was won by Brent Barry. Matt Andrews took home the Sport, sport Mod A feature, Stock Car A feature. Shane Stutzman, a young man that was, I'm going to say, not intelligent enough to not let me hot lap his car one time when I worked out there. He was <laughs> he was actually the first one, and then, then no one else would let me. But I didn't break his car too bad at any rate. Shane Stutzman picks up the victory last night in Stock Cars at Eagle. And in the hobby stocks, David Carter did. Beatrice was dark on Friday, courtesy of the rain. Courtesy of the rain. And isn't there a World of Outlaw race in Norfolk, Nebraska tonight? At least I saw that on when I was looking up the schedule. I... Um, not like not a feature race, obviously, or not a major race, but uh... we'll have to look up what's in Norfolk yeah. tonight. Um, it's. I know the Malvern. The... I know Malvern Banks three hundred and sixty sprints were there last Sunday. Okay. Uh, or we had a race going on last Sunday, but we'll uh, we can check into that. Check it into that. I so, just um, was, was surprised to have something so local I wasn't aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we need to make a phone call. Uh, we do. Yeah, I, I want to talk to Trevor Grossenbacher because I got a bone. To, no, I don't. Uh, Trevor agreed last <laughs> night to come on the air with us today. Uh, he's got a little family thing going on, but he's going to step aside and uh, give us about 15, 20 minutes. We'll chat with him about... I don't know, a whole lot of stuff. I got some interesting questions. So uh, this is the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket. Back with more after this. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to the finish line here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. I'm Mike Melby. Rebecca Pearson to my right. Austin Orman. Driving the car this evening and on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, we have got the 2014 Nebraska 360 Sprint Touring Series champion, 2019 Eagle Raceway champion. On the phone with us, Mr. Trevor Grossenbacher. Trevor, how are you tonight? Hi, guys. How you doing? Uh, doing great. Just enjoying my Sunday. Just doing a little relaxing. So I, I know you. Uh, your son Tate had uh, had a kind of a big event today, right? Yep, that end of year uh, baseball party. So that's what we just got home from, and we're just sitting on the back porch, just kind of hanging out. Nothing wrong with that. How did their team do this year? Uh, they did really good. They ended up uh, second season championship. They ended up second in the tournament. So they played good. He's a really good athlete and likes sports. Wishes he raced a little more, but I said <laughs> you're you're too busy in sports right now. So he did, he wished he raced a little more, but we're just really active in sports. Nothing wrong with that. Now, you started racing when you were five. Is that right, racing BMX bikes? Yeah, I started racing BMX when I was five. We traveled all over. I did that until 1996, I think I was was like 10 years old. And I kind of took some time off because we raced a lot. Um, We traveled all over the country. We raced three nights a weekend in 96 to... I got, I think it was ABA district number one that year. We traveled all over and I just kind of got burnt out. So told dad I was done and kind of just hung out for a year. And then we started, started racing those little go quads. 
and then the next year it had been 1999 to 2000 or 2000 i think we moved into mini sprints what we started in okay so when did you first realize that dad raced um sprint cars and and really kind of understand what he had done in his career how good he was uh what what a fan favorite he was and did that drive the the itch for you to get behind the wheel of a cart initially and then a mini sprint and eventually a sprint car see like growing up i never got to watch my dad race he quit when i was born so i think it's kind of cool that tate gets to see me race in a way like he gets to experience something i didn't like i like i always look through my dad's photo albums when i was a kid like all the race cars he had and and you hear stories from all the people, like how he did, you know. And I never got to witness that. And then I think it was 1996, the year I quit racing bikes, he got a phone call to race sprint car again. So I got to watch him for two years. I think it was 96 and 97. And I, I wasn't old enough to go in the pits at that time, but I got to sit in the stands and watch him. And that was pretty cool. I got to see him win a feature at Eagle. Um, it was just a really cool experience. And then, he kind of stepped away again, and I started getting pretty busy in racing, and he's just been with me ever since. How cool is it to have Dad, like, be that invested? Because, you know, like you said, he took you everywhere for all the BMX racing, and, and he has been, you know, one of your, your staunchest supporters and a guy that has just literally been there helping you every step of the way. How cool is that? Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere without him. Um, my dad and my mom. I mean, my dad, I mean, we we built wings from, God, I don't even know what year, 2000 to the year my son was born is kind of when we quit because we got too busy to build wings, but we built wings all the time for many sprint cars. That's kind of what paid for the racing deal because, I mean, you know how expensive it is. So we're just a low-buck team, and to have him here by my side the whole time is huge. I mean, he's a constant supporter. Um, still to this day, I mean, he comes to the pits. I mean, Tyler helps me makes pretty much, we make all the decisions and dad just kind of hangs out and that's how he wants it. Puts fuel in the car and, and enjoys just hanging out and talking to everybody that comes up and talks to him about the old times. Hey, Trevor, before we leave five-year-old Trevor, I'm just fascinated at a five-year-old doing anything competitively because if any of us have ever been to a baseball game with five-year-olds, they're not particularly... <laughs> coordinated or or football or basketball so what is it about racing that makes a five-year-old can do that compared to maybe the coordination required in the traditional sports uh i mean it's a lot of i mean like bmx and racing it's all individual really i mean you have people that help you but but when you're out there it's just you so it's a lot of mental uh i mean when we started racing my dad was hard on me we, as soon as I get off the school bus, I had to do wind sprints in my bike every day wow. after school. I mean, get in shape and race. And I raced kids. Like, we did the grands. I think, I remember what year it was. I got second in the grands, and I raced kids from Ecuador. I mean, all over the country, wow. all over the world. And it was a big deal. I mean, it was a lot of fun. You meet so many people you travel with, and I just had a good time, and I really enjoyed it. I just, I just kind of got burnt out of it and wanted something with a motor. My brother raced uh, motocross and was really, really good at that. And I kind of was like, you know, I want to do that. So when I stepped away from BMX, my dad, like we, 
borrowed a motorcycle and I rode it for a while and I realized <laughs> real quick that's not my path. <laughs> not for me. Well, tell us a little I'm bit about better on four wheels than two. My brother and my nephew, they're my nephew races motocross now and he's oh. traveling all over doing that and he's really good. So that's that's their side and my side's four wheels. <laughs> that's great. Well, they're they're all super fun to watch, and I'm sure it's fun to have all those folks in the family, right? You have lots to talk about. Um, I'm kind of interested in what it's like to build wings. What what did you learn uh, building your own wings for your cars? You know, what works, what doesn't? What was that like? It's a lot of hard work, I tell you that. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have, like, when we did it, it's not like it is today where everything's CNC'd or punched out of material. It's all bent. You just assemble it. We did We'd buy it in sheets, and we'd cut it out by hand. We had wooden bucks you'd hammer the material over with. I mean, it was you'd have eight hours in building the top wing. So I learned work ethic real quick. On, I mean, <laughs> I tore a race car up, Dad. We wouldn't race, so, you know, we built three or four wings, put the car back together. Right. So, it's. I mean, you learn real quick hard work. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. Me and my dad got to do it and spend time together. It's unforgettable stuff yeah those are things that make you a great race car driver well exactly now we're joined by trevor grossenbacher here on the finish line on 93.7 the ticket the ticket you get through many spins you jump into a 360 added eagle uh you have some pretty good success out there no track titles quite yet but then in the 2012 season it, it it's over and the decision was made by eagle to instead of 360s they're going to go down to the race saver 305 sprints what were your thoughts at the time about that disappointment, frustration, anger, happiness, whatever. Um, and then not too long after that, you won a 360 title in the Nebraska 360 Touring Series, but then you did make the jump to 305s. But go back to 2012. What was that initial thought process like for you as a guy that raced out there on a weekly basis, being told, okay, hey, we're not going to do your class anymore? Well, it was, it was pretty wild, actually. We were just at a, a pit meeting. Roger called a pit meeting like he has every week, you know, and and just at the end of the pit meeting, he said, by the way, this is the last year for 360s. We're going to 305s. And, I mean, you kind of saw the writing on the wall. We weren't getting a lot of cars every week. We'd get 15 and occasionally 20. I mean, it wasn't – weren't getting a lot of cars. And initially, I was kind of – I was bummed. I mean, Eagles, hands down, my favorite track. It's where I grew up when I was a kid watching. I mean, it, I loved it. I still love it. So I was disappointed. And – I was like, ah, I don't know if that's going to work out for him. I was like, I'd never even heard of these 305s, you know. So we go on the road for a couple of years and race with the Nebraska 360s, which is fun. You do a lot of traveling, but you're you're not racing every weekend is what, what kind of sucked. I didn't really like. So we did the couple of years, and then the last year would have been 2014. Uh, believe it or not, that year I didn't even have a win, and we still won the points. We were just really consistent. <clears throat> I think that was the only year of racing it. Once I got my first win, that was the only year I haven't won a race. So, and then we were just super consistent, and we ended up winning points, which was, which was a goal of mine. It was awesome to win a 360 points race. And kind of in that year, I knew it was going to be my last year of 360s. The 305s were starting to take off, and and just me and my dad, we can't afford. I mean, 306s were getting so expensive, we just couldn't keep up. I mean. It wasn't as fun as it was. I mean, we just did, we're kind of underpowered, the tires. And I, I had my son in 2013, so it was more feasible just to race close to home. So we sold the 360, and in 2015 is the first year we ran the 305s, and we had a 
really, really good year the first year. And that's where we've been since. You have been in uh, track title in 2019. Uh, I know a couple of weeks back, maybe a month ago now, I know you had a great run from, boy, you were outside of six, I want to say, at the start. And it was a bottom-dominant track. There was nothing on the top except for you. And you drove up to third. So, uh, obviously, the success is always fun. But then there are the nights that things go sideways, the car goes sideways, and pieces uh, get broken, destroyed, etc. And you just kind of went through that. Uh, tell me a little bit about that side of racing with you. Uh, granted, everybody's on a budget and all that type of stuff, and there's times you just need to take a couple of weeks off in order to get things fixed. Uh, what what was it like? And first of all, I'm, I'm glad that you're okay after the, the one accident here a few weeks ago, but uh, walk me through that side of racing. Yeah, racing is definitely a very humbling sport. Like, <laughs> we went, I went down to, well, this isn't even that last week, but, we went down to Missouri and we swept both nights. Um, feeling top of the world, made some good money, come home, race the next week, and I break my back, you know. So it's it's very humbling. Like, we had a good night, and then we go to Beatrice and tear the car up real bad. It, it tore everything up, and I have really good supporters. Like, I couldn't do it without all of them. I have a lot of great supporters. So we took a few weeks off, and we got that car repaired and kind of just regrouped and I could have went out and raced uh, with our other car, but I really liked that car we wrecked. So I kind of just want to take a little time. You know, we took family camping, do that, do that family stuff. Uh, we got two kids now, so that's a little more important to me than racing these days. But it's still racing. I love it. And I don't know when I'll be ready to give it up, but <laughs> probably not every single week from here on out but well from a fan standpoint i know that uh there's a lot of people that want to see you race for a long long time uh we're joined on the finish line by the driver of the stop it shop muling financial silver ridge construction ron fox motorsports husker diesel cornusker heating and air greg masonry Fast Track Farms, Speedway Motors Racing Engines, number 35. And I wanted to say all of them because there are so many people that have to help out all you guys to make sure that you can get on the track every week or every other week or however often that you want to race. Um, what is it like as a driver and a member of a, a sprint car team, any type of a race team, to, to go out and, and start asking people, hey, I race, I'd like to put your, your name on the side of my car. What's that like for you? See, that's... That's one side that I am not good at, and I'll be the first to admit it, and my wife, too, she, she knows that. And It's just hard. A lot of my sponsors or advertising partners are people that I know or mutual friends know, because it is hard to go up to ask somebody for money, say, hey, can I have some, you want to help me out, support my hobby, you know? It's, it's hard to do, and it's hard to find them, and when you do, you have to treat them right, and that's what I take pride in. Most of my sponsors I've had since I started racing – like Stop and Shop has been with me for 10-plus years. I think that's uh, normal, WCs too. WCs has been with me for 10-plus years. So that's the biggest thing is of me is treating them right, not doing wrong, because it ruins it for everybody. So if I were to quit, maybe someday down the road they'll want to help somebody else out. You don't give them a sour taste. We really count on the community sponsors. You know, I think it's important <clears throat> that the community does get behind their local racers, their local track. 
keeping this going because it's it's a sport just like anything else baseball you know you're taking your kids to soccer like you said your son's involved in baseball you know people don't think about uh racing as another opportunity and so the community businesses need to help them because it's all part of the economy i think it's it's great i'm i you know it's a, a challenge to get sponsors um but uh i guess that ties into just running a race team so how, how does it how does it feel you know to have the mental game that goes with that how do you tackle that differently from the sponsorships I mean, that's that's the hardest part. Like, a long time ago, my dad said, here, you get the reins to the racing account. This is this is your deal. I'm not doing it anymore. And that's that's when I really learned, you know, can I buy tires this week? You know, I have to buy fuel. Can I afford to buy a tire this week? So that's the big thing is just, I mean, it's managing your money and, and what you get and keeping the car in good shape. I mean, if you tear it up every week, I mean, you're, you can be done for the year. Right. So you got to. And you just got to be smart and manage your money. And I mean, it's something I'm trying to teach Tate why why he's racing to take care of his equipment, work on his stuff, appreciate it. Trevor, There's a lot that goes into it. There really, truly is. And and the the nice thing about where we're at here with the conversation is the fact that I've got about six or seven other questions that I want to ask you, which means I'm going to try to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to say, at some point in the not too distant future. Would you be willing to maybe grab Dad and Tate and come down and hang out with with us for a while so we can ask you a couple more questions? I think I think we would like that. I don't know how much my ten year old will talk. He's pretty shy, but I can probably drag him down there. Uh, my dad, he can tell stories for days, I'm sure. But yeah, that'd be something that'd be fun. Good. Cause I'm I'm going to give you a couple of quick ones here to finish up uh, finish up today's interview. Uh, by the way, we're joined by Trevor Grossenbacher here on the finish line on 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, quickly, a prediction on who's going to win the Eldora Million this year? Um, I'm going to say Rico Abreu. I think that's going to be uh, everybody's pick uh, to, 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 to do it with him and Ricky Warner. How about the Nationals? Knoxville, I'm going to go with who about Knoxville? David Gravel, I would say. I think my, that's My money's on Gravel. Yeah, a good, good choice there. And who's going to win the World of Outlaw point title this year? Oh, shoot. I haven't been paying attention to who's even leading points. You, ha- you, ha- you have uh, David Gravel and Brad Sweet and Carson Macedo all within about 55 points of each other. I would like to see Gravel. Sweet is just very consistent and, and is in the right spot at the right time. But I would like to see Gravel win it. All righty. A couple more really quick. Who's your favorite driver and why? Um... Tyler Walker. <laughs> I love that. Number 35. Yes. Um, he didn't do a lot of right things in life, but uh, he's a heck of a naturally talented race car driver. And I loved him when I was a kid. He was a young kid. So, and he, he was always running the top. And I like, that's the type of guy I like. I like Sheldon. I like the guys that knock the ball down. Exactly. Now I've heard rumors that Tyler may be jumping back in a car. I hope so. It'd be good to see. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I, think I heard that in Pennsylvania, maybe. Yep, yep. And I'm and outside of Eagle Raceway. What's your favorite track to race on? Um, Cameron, Missouri, uh, US 36. Awesome, Trevor Grossenbacher. It's a thank- little, little, little high bank track. It's my style track. It is, and I went down to the Outlaw race there earlier this year. It's a, it's <laughs> that is a fantastic track. The banking is varied. We'll call it that. Uh, but yeah. a fun little track. Trevor, thank you so much for the time. We'll have you and your dad and, and Tate on here in a, uh, in a few weeks. I think it'll be a good time. It'll be great.
All right, I appreciate you guys for having me. Uh, you guys have enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, you, you too. Trevor Grossenbacher joining us here on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com on the finish line. Let's jump to break, and then we'll put a bow on the show when we come back. Back to the finish line with Mike Melby on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to the finish line. You're on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. I'm Mike Melby. Rebecca Pearson right there. Austin Norman driving the car tonight. Ricky Simmons coming up with Get Your Happy On. Uh, Charlie Colon going to be in studio. Uh, looking forward to hearing uh, that one. I know Charlie's a guy that I believe was the original bullpen catcher for the Lincoln Salt Dogs back in the day when they opened up Haymarket Park in season number one. But, he uh, Charlie, baseball, for sure. He does. He's, and he's, he's, he's a, he's a business chicken. guy here in town. Yeah, <laughs> Baseball uh, and chicken. Well, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. Um, but uh, going to be interesting. You've got a fantastic show coming up, though, with uh, Get Your great. Happy On with Ricky Simmons. Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and it's one of the questions I wanted to ask uh, Trevor Grossenbacher was, Guys that drop down in class to race. Now, you, when you were working with Mobile One, you're sponsoring, uh, for the sake of argument, Tony Stewart. Yes. And you're like, Tony. Uh, and Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question, Tony. A couple of guys. You're jumping into a 360 sprint car, not a 410, but a 360, yep. which is the middle level class of mm-hmm. sprint car racing, to go to a local track on a Tuesday and rate. Why? Yeah. Because we're paying you a lot of money to, to win on Sundays. Right. However, if Tony Stewart doesn't do that, that track may not survive. That may be their big draw, and he's doing it to try to help them. To Maybe it's going to be a bigger purse because he's going to be – whatever the case may be. Right. Walk me through those conversations that you, you and your team had to have with Tony or Lewis or whoever. Sure. Well, you always had them because they all had a passion. So Lewis liked karting, right? That's how he started it was in karting. So they would still do that. You know, what you learn about these guys is these are their passions, and they have a huge following. We would call that grassroots, right? In my business, because I'm with Mobile One, uh, we sell motor oil to anybody and everybody. So from a business perspective, him being involved in dirt tracks and sprint car racing and whatever actually helped us reach that grassroots racer. Now, yes, you're always concerned about him driving his NASCAR and being able to make it that day. But uh, from a business perspective, there was actually some benefit to him doing those things. Now, do you worry about them being injured? Absolutely. You know, when you're sponsoring, especially big brands like an ExxonMobil, Mobile One, you're worried about a lot of things. You're worried about their off-track behavior. Uh, same with uh, basketball. We would sponsor Anthony Davis. When we when we went and evaluated him, we would have all these conversations about looking at all the people. We would look at 10 or 15 people, you know, when you're evaluating who to sponsor. So there's a lot of things to consider when you're sponsoring that you have to consider i have to worry about i'm guessing john morant would be probably off the list of a lot of companies sponsoring right now yes <laughs> so um and, and it's not everybody the, though <laughs> no no um the, one of the other things and we were talking about it with uh, our, our sponsor of the victory lane segment eagle chassis right i was down and i was looking at, at his shop and the way he's got everything set up um the the technical side of racing fascinates me. Yes, and I know that you've you know reached out to and there's a possibility we might be able to get a tech. Oh, we're getting a, him a, on. Yes, a tech guy. Okay, we are. We're going to get the uh, Exxon Mobil uh, technical advisor to Formula One and NASCAR here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, to be able to talk to us about all the things you ever wanted to know about a NASCAR car, especially Formula One, which is like a total mystery 
of how how different these cars are, how they make them fast, all the rules and regulations. But a lot of our technical advisors, and I don't know about this about uh, Tomek in general, but our previous advisor was a go kart person. You know, they all, all these guys love cars. They're racing on. They're doing things on their own. So I'll be interested to find. I can't remember what his passion is. I, I knew him when I worked there. But anyway, that should be a fun conversation. There's times they think F1 is just CGI. Uh, Some of yeah. the things they do. So. It's amazing. I mean, I've been in the garage. You know, I've been in the garage when the car leaves to to go do their first hot lap. You know, with the races. Um, you put it in a little booth, uh, McLaren in particular, they had headsets like this. You could hear the in-car conversations. You know, we got the full experience. I've had a lot of exposure to both of these. Same with NASCAR, too, similar. You, you hear the in-car conversations, which is where you probably learned half the cuss words you <laughs> Well, you know, they're usually good until, you know, somebody does something not so nice and then it, it comes out. But real quick, I want to touch on this. I forgot I was going to go over it, but it just popped in my head when it, you, you were talking about that part of it. Last night, there were two guys at Eagle that were pitted relatively close to where Mike was. And um, they got into an argument and a dis- disagreement after the B feature. They ran like seventh and eighth, but there were still punches thrown. Oh, my. And it's one of those where it's like, Time and score, boys. I get it. You're upset because somebody did something bad or whatever, but have a conversation. And I get it. You're young and but you're, you're And your adrenaline's and running adrenaline. when you're racing I, I it, and but, you're not really processing. But and yet, that's the. But it's like you, you're arguing over something that happened with three laps to go when you were running seventh in a B feature. Right. I, well, I, unless it was blatant and on purpose and with intent, get over it. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, yeah, they, luckily, cooler heads prevailed, and I don't think any teeth were lost or, or bones <laughs> broken. But uh, Speaking of other cool things last night, I don't know if you saw the pile up in the uh, sprint race uh, you know, at uh, High Banks Nationals. It was like lap 32 or something. Yep. Yeah, that was, you know, cars are sitting on top of each other, and, you, you know, yep. you, you get worried about them, but they all seem to walk away. It was all fine. But I, don't, I haven't seen too many of those in the in the races I've been watching since we started doing this. Yeah, no, they, they happen on occasion, and some of them can be pretty spectacular uh, that, when oh, the guys walk away. That one was pretty interesting, you know, because two or three cars are piled on top. It was upside down, you know, and I'm thinking, all right, because whenever you see like a NASCAR flip or something, you're like, holy mackerel, but you're pretty sure they're going to walk away because it is so incredibly tight inside. Yeah, that uh, it it is. And it speaks to the safety of all the race cars, whether it's a a stock car, a late model, a sprint car, a cup car, Formula One. Uh, You know, every single accident that happens, there's somebody that's an engineer that's looking at it, trying to figure out. Like a Mike Boston and his chassis, right? That was exactly. so important to him on his safety uh, for his chassis. It's like his real differentiator. Well, and that's something that it's one I, I may try to put together some kind of a uh, a video that we can we can point out, and we'll go down to Mike's shop and have him point out some of the things that just are such common sense that are saving lives these days mm-hmm. uh, that, that, you know, some bars that weren't in places that they are, but right. Well, and you um, don't appreciate how good a welder needs to be until you need your chassis to not fall exactly. apart in a wreck. <laughs> uh, Ricky C. Simmons is up next. Get your happy on Charlie Colon in studio. Enjoy that one. I'm Mike Melby for Rebecca Pearson and Austin Norman. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Good night, everybody.